Hello and welcome to the Catholic Duluth Show. The Catholic Duluth Show is a parish community podcast serving the parishes of St. Lawrence and Holy Family in Duluth, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Daniel Rota, and with me today I have Father Eli Gieske. Like always, how are you doing today, Father? Good, like always. Real good. Great. Yeah. Uh, did you have a good weekend? Yeah. We're recording this on Tuesday, so Monday is yeah. Father's Day off, so yeah. he usually sleeps in, Yeah. right? Uh, yes, to some degree. I, a lot of times I have mass with the sisters. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it was good. It was a nice uh, Sunday night, and Monday I hung out with some some of the brother priests, and we played some board games. We went for some walks, had some good chats, ate some good food. It was nice. 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 That's good to hear. Uh, it is the now the fourth week of Advent. Yes, we are closing in. So tomorrow, 23rd, and then Christmas Eve coming up on Thursday. So we're right on the cusp. Yeah. And so yesterday was... Uh, the winter solstice, right? Oh, right, right. So yesterday was the the darkest, the longest night, longest night. I, I once said the darkest night, which I guess isn't necessarily true. No, <laughs> it's not at all true. <laughs> but but and my friends made fun of me for it. But, <laughs> but the, the the longest night the long, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Did you see the? Uh, the Bethlehem Star, or whatever the thing with the Jupiter and something else. I oh, did not. Okay. No. I think I don't know if it was cloudy last night or not. I can't remember. I saw somebody post like a photo on Facebook. Okay. And then there was words there, so I don't. Yeah, maybe they were. Yeah. That's that's what they were posting. I just. It's supposed to be like the first time since like twelve thousand or twelve hundred something. So it's been eight hundred years since this has happened. Oh wow. So I didn't know it happened often. I mean. Relatively speaking, that's a lot of, that's not that long in terms of eternity. Yeah. But it's a long time because I won't see it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Well, I mean, maybe, I guess. In heaven. In heaven. Yeah, we hope to. Ho- if, hopefully. If, if there's still stars, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But musings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do we got going on these next? Uh, yeah. What, what do we have going on? Uh, anything Anything coming up this weekend? We, we, we have. Christmas, of course, oh, which right, happens right. Christmas, Thursday yeah. and Friday, uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. We have Masses at Holy Family at 4, and St. Lawrence at 7, Christmas Eve, and those ones are going to be, oh no, those ones will have incense, so watch out. If you're not an incense fan, don't come to the Christmas Eve Masses. The, the, se- the 7 p.m. will be live streamed? Live streamed, that's what I was going to say. Yep. And the 9 a.m. on Christmas Day at Holy Family will also be live streamed, and then the the eleven o'clock will not be, but yeah. So we're working on having the social hall spaces available so we can have overflow seating and so forth. So it's looking it's looking nice. Yeah, and uh, in St. Lawrence we are going to have uh, the social hall with uh, the, the projector, the projector screen down. Yeah. So um, so yeah, we'll be able to accommodate. Uh, yeah, because you know, in Holy Family they have the nice social area space that has that you can see. Yeah, into it kind the, of all extends into, into the church. So. Church, yeah. Just have kind of stack chairs there, and then for St. Lawrence, we'll have the projector up. Um, so, so yeah, hopefully we'll be able to, as many people that want to attend Christmas Masses, hopefully we'll be able to right, right. Yeah. allow that. So Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, but other than that, it's kind, of, it's kind of quiet. It is kind of quiet. Once Christmas happens, we, we have some quiet time here, um, which I kind of like, actually. I kind of like the lulls after Christmas and Easter. It's kind of a time to just whew, catch your breath and... 
you know, usually I'm kind of wore out. I don't know if it'll be that same feeling this year, but we'll see. Then uh, we have Mary, Mother of God, coming up the next Thursday, Friday. Friday. Friday, I think. Yeah, seven days apart. So, right? Is that Friday? The first? I'll fact check it. So there's, there is a evening mass at Holy Family on Thursday, five o'clock, I believe. And then Mary, Mother of God is Friday. the Friday. So the, it's, we decided 11 o'clock, I think, for yeah. all those party pe- people that stay up late. I believe so. So we have an 11 o'clock here at St. Lawrence on the feast or the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, which is a holy day of obligation, which is not obligated this year. So, yes. Yeah. But it's still a good day to celebrate if you're looking for opportunity to celebrate. Come to Mass that day, I would say. And probably one of those will be live streamed, but I guess we yeah. haven't. Yeah, we haven't talked yet. about that. We haven't talked but about it. Yes, I think you're right. So, um, so yeah, that's that's good. And I, I assume, I guess I don't really know, but the office will be for sure closed on Friday, and yes. I assume both Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Yeah, right? yeah. If if not, let's make that decision right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in between those two, we have the Feast of the Holy Family. So it's kind of exciting for Holy Family. That's the name of the parish there. So um, we were discussing beforehand, what does that mean? If you have a saint name, like St. Joe's in the Heights or St. Lawrence, if that feast day comes up, it's actually a solemnity in the parish. But I'm not sure about Holy Family because it's a little different name. So I, I'd have to do a little research. But I would be I would bet that um, it's celebrated as a solemnity in the parish. But since it falls on the weekend always, they always move it to the weekend between those two um, movable feasts, the Mary Mother of God and Holy Family. It's always the weekend, or excuse me, Christmas and Mary Mother of God. It's always the weekend between those two. So it always falls on the weekend anyway. Anywho, that's that's the big news from here in the cluster. Yeah. Um, we do have a funeral tomorrow, and I believe we have a funeral on the 31st. So we've got some funerals. Pray for the souls. It's kind of been a steady thing. I, I'm still getting the, the sense of what the funeral load is in these parishes, but it seems like it's kind of pretty pretty steady. So. Yeah, I remember last last winter, it seemed like there was like two or three for like a month. Yeah. Yeah, you sometimes know? they have so. those streaks where people... Uh, the last parish I was in, the funeral director, I always used to say, when the, when the, when the weather changes, that's when people go... I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what we always say. And it did seem like sometimes, like, you'd see that people kind of hold out for Christmas, and then after Christmas, if they don't, if they don't want to be around, they kind of say, "Okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'm I'm coming home." So, yeah, I've seen I've seen that. So, uh, well, this week we are talking about uh, we're talking about Christmas. Christmas. We're talking about um, maybe even more specifically get into the nativity a little bit and sure. talking about uh, the incarnation. Nice. And I think that's um, something that a lot of people are used to uh, when it comes to Christmas is seeing the nativity scenes and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, just, I think, uh, like some traditions, tradition, pageantry, yeah, yeah symbolism um, when it comes to the nativity uh, specifically. Yeah. But I think I'd like to go a little bit deeper into uh, what does that you know, what What does that mean for us, just as as Catholics, as Christians, uh, and why is the fact that you know, Jesus became? Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, my mom uh, uh, just texted me, so I'm gonna turn that notification my notifications off. So 
Great. It doesn't uh, go. Hey, mom. <laughs> hey, Julie. It doesn't go loud. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so why, uh, you know, talking about uh, the incarnation, uh, God becoming man, we've talked about that a little bit um, on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I think last year, specifically kind of around Easter too, you know, why is that important? But uh, when it comes to Christmas and uh, thinking about uh, Jesus or God becoming man in the form of Jesus, like, yeah, why is that important for us? Like when it comes to Christmas, Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much there to, to discuss and hopefully I'll be touching on that a little bit uh, for the Christmas masses. But um, I think to, to ask the question, why why this way and why not some other way is, is always an important thing because God never just does things like, oh, let's let's just pick one. Pick it out of the hat. That's what we're going to do. You can see the, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus, God the Son, all sitting up in heaven with a little hat and saying, okay, you get to pick one and you get to pick one. No, that's not how it goes, right? It's, it's all planned. It's all, there's a, a purpose in it all. Um, so the incarnation God is trying to reveal to us something of who he is by coming to us in this way. Um, uh, you know, even even the way that he came, he was born not into uh, a palace or, or like a royal family that was seemed like they were royal at that time. I mean, he was, right? He was of the line of David, but um, people didn't recognize him as a king when he was born, other than the three wise men and the shepherds who came. But um, did you ever, growing up, did you ever do nativity, like, things? The, like, live nativity? Yeah, like, either, I vaguely remember doing this as a kid, and I think it was, like, after Mass or something. I hope it wasn't instead of Mass, but we did have a pair that might have thought that was a good idea. But, um, but yeah, we had to dress up. I had to be a, a king once, I remember. I don't know. Yeah, we did some, we had a, uh, for, for the Catholic school, there was uh like the Christmas um, program. Program. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't see those a lot anymore. Maybe maybe I'm just not around school enough. Yeah. But I I, I have no clue. But yeah. I know that we have the, the kind of Christmas program every year and yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was kind of a part of it. They had like a live mm-hmm. nativity. And I think there's there's something to it allowing kids to enter into it. But I wonder sometimes if we we sort of romanticize the coming of Jesus in the stable. You know, you look at pictures or Christmas cards and it's always like a very nice little cozy cave or cozy little barn with nice yellow hay that's not full of dung <laughs> and animals. You know, they're all very friendly and not too stinky or not too loud. I mean, to be born in a barn, like, think about that. Like, we don't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they didn't even really do it back then, but... Jesus was born in a barn, and um, why did he come that way? Why didn't he come in a more ordinary way or a more sort of fancy way? Well, it's because God wanted to reveal something of who he was to us and and how far he was willing to to go for us, I think. you know, um, He could have come in power and majesty, but he came in humility and poverty and um, I think that's God trying to open our hearts to him, help us to uh, to know him, to to not be afraid to come to him. Like, 
you don't have to have position authority to be able to speak to me, but I, I come in this very humble way so that you should never fear to talk to me or be with me. So um, I think that's part of it, you know, um, of why God came that way, the incarnation. You could get into the question of the incarnation itself. Why did why did God come as a person, you know? Um, I think, again, so that we could identify and that we could understand something of who God was. But, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on, on that matter? Um, probably not anything uh, that would be super helpful. One one thing that I've heard before, which I don't know if I totally understand, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but kind of this idea of that Jesus is the new Adam, yeah. which I guess I, I understand where that kind of comes from and maybe where is like where like why did uh Jesus have to become man because yeah. like kind of how uh the first like how Adam and Eve sinned and kind of the original sin came yeah. uh that that had to be kind of like repaid yeah to a certain extent through like humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah so I don't know if that makes yeah it makes sense. Yeah so it's a good it's a good point actually because um Humanity, God wanted to redeem us through our humanity, not only through his divinity, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. he didn't want to come and uh, sort of do violence to the human race by saying, okay, humanity, you screwed up, and you're all a bunch of screw-ups, and you're all bad, so I'm going to come in and fix this problem that you all created. Instead, he, he said, I made you good. You were created good, and I want to show you what that goodness looks like and help you recover that goodness in yourselves and kind of give you a roadmap of how to to live in this goodness. And so part of it, yes, we do need God's help. We certainly do. And God gave us a path by which we could follow him rather than just that he could do it all for us, if that makes sense. So he wanted us to participate. And one way of doing that is he became a man so that from within humanity, he could redeem humanity rather than from without, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the new Adam and the new Eve being, uh, new Adam is Jesus, the new Eve is Mary, they both cooperate uh, within the human race to say, to reverse the no of Adam and Eve or the, the sin of Adam and Eve, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a good handle, I guess, to kind of grab onto the, the mystery of the incarnation and say, tell, I want to try to understand a little bit more. I think that's one way to, to do it is to, to look at that whole theological concept. Yeah. And I think it's also important to talk about too that like, it's not like God was just like, you know what, let's t- today I'm going to send Jesus down as a baby. Like yeah. there was a prophecy, right? Yeah. Like, like they had, um, like God hadn't been kind of laying the foundation for this for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The chapter three, or no, not chapter three. It, Genesis is it chapter three where there's the uh, the prophecy, kind of the proto evangelium, yeah. where they've sinned. So creation is good. Da da da. Man is good. Then then the fall in chapter two, or maybe it's chapter three. I forget. And then um, you have this prophecy. You know, where God is saying, you know, the 
the evil one will strike at his heel and and he will crush his head. So it's kind of this this already this idea that God is going to do something to reverse the damage of the original sin of the fall of Adam and Eve. And so it's already kind of mentioned back there. And then the Old Testament is sort of this step-by-step, this process of God bringing that about, which for us as humanity, because our lives are so short, it it seems like, oh, this is taking forever. This is such a long, drawn-out process. But for God, it's like, oh, this is perfect. This is perfect timing. And he brings it about. And... um, and you can see in the prophecies like Isaiah and Jeremiah, um, you know, the prophet Joel, all these little indications of what is to come. You know, even though at the time they didn't fully understand who Jesus would be and how exactly he would be, but it was understood that there was going to be a Savior and that um, it's going to change the world when the Savior came. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of, was it, I mean, I should probably should know, but was it this last weekend or with the weekend before where it was uh, one of, one of the readings is um, Jesus or like God conversing with David over like, like I'm going to build you a house. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because that was this past weekend. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. David wants, he wants to, to do a temple or a, yeah. Yeah. He wants to build, build God, God, this temple. Yeah. And God's like, no, you're, like your son will, which, Solomon does end up building this temple, but then he kind of, even there, he kind of talks about how, like, your son will, uh, like, like through your line, there will be, like, a, a kingdom forever. Right. And so, it's like, in, like, I think it's interesting because you can look at that just from a very, like, kind of human earthly level and mm-hmm. be like, oh, you know, Solomon made this temple and he's king and there's yeah. the line of David and yeah. and all this. But then you look at it just from kind of like right now looking back like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's Jesus, you know. Right. And so right. uh, and at the time when that was said for a long time, even in the Old Testament before the exile, before the destruction of the temple, uh, Solomon's temple, that is by the uh, Babylonians, the Israelites read that as sort of like, we're always going to be here. We're always going to be, like, we're always safe. God is always going to protect us from the other nations around us. He's always going to keep us from, so that, in a sense, they kind of fell into all kinds of sin because they kind of thought, well, you know, there's this prophecy that there's always going to be the line of David, right? And so, in their minds, that means we're always going to have a kingdom. We're always going to have a king. We're always going to be uh, kind of a, a thing here, a little kingdom here. And God said, yes, there, there's a kingdom, there is kings and so forth, and the line of David does continue, but not in the way that you think, not, not, not so much in an earthly way. I mean, they found security in this idea of a king and a nation and the holy city of Jerusalem, but in all that, they kind of took for granted, like, well, yeah, we have a king, we, have, we are the people of God, so... We can sin, we can turn away, we can worship idols, we can do all these things, which the, the kings did, and the people did. They turned away from God, and that's when they got into trouble, because they were sort of relying on this prophecy to, to say, we're always going to be safe. We were sort of, um, in a sense, um, protected from falling under the sway of other nations. And God did protect them for a long time, but when they, when they refused to repent or change, um, he did allow them to fall into the Babylonian uh, exile. So, 
that was kind of a big, uh, I guess, a, a big challenge for the people of Israel. Because when that happened, when they when they when they did go into exile, when their kings were taken captive and everything, it was kind of like they had to kind of re look at those prophecies. What does this really mean? How is it? How is God going to save us in light of this? You know, does did we invalidate the the prophecies by our actions? Uh, did God break His word? Is God real? These kinds of questions had to be addressed, right? And so, it was a it was a very challenging thing for the people of Israel to go go through that time. That's why the the period of the exile or the that thing is that that experience of of the exile is so traumatic to the Israelites even to this day. Like they look back at it and say, "That was uh, a difficult time." You know, I'm trying to think of something similar for our own nation as Americans that would, on a, on a much, much smaller scale, maybe like 9-11, kind of changed the way yeah. we we sort of felt like we were invincible or we thought we were un, untouchable in some sense. And then that happened and people were like, wow, we need to, I mean, our reaction was maybe different because we didn't get like taken over and we didn't get totally... Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, it was an attack, but it wasn't. Um, a you have defeat. to like reassess. Yeah, but that that idea of yeah, that's a good word for it, reassessing. Who are we, and how do we keep living as we are? So, um, yeah, and you could even look at this pandemic and kind of say a similar thing. Like, it's been so disruptive in our day to day life that everybody's having to deal with that of looking at this and saying. Gosh, how do we go on from here? So, in in I get it. I would say in a much smaller way, our experience is much smaller than what the experience of the Israelites were. But when you read, when you read the account of what happened when the city of Jerusalem was taken, and the royal family and everybody and people were killed and taken off, and I mean it's very traumatic, right? Very, very difficult, and so. Out of that, to still have hope for this savior that's going to come down the line, it's a. It takes a lot of faith. It would have taken a lot of faith in in that moment to not just say, "God has completely abandoned us. We are totally on our own. We thought we were under God's care, but it seems like we're not." So, you know, sometimes God allows us to fall into those situations where we have to reassess how we understand something, and I don't know kind of going off on a tangent yeah. here. But. Yeah, and I, I think that's like important too because I think we like to r- romanticize things. You know, we like the Disney Hollywood version yeah. of a lot of things. Yeah. And I feel like just even just looking at the couple of things that we've talked about, but diving more into scripture, like, the, like God <laughs> usually tries to pull us out of those comforts a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And... I think you could, you, I guess you could kind of say that's what the Israelites did is that they're just like, oh, you know, the Savior's going to come, like we're the chosen people, yeah. like we we can just take it easy mm-hmm. and enjoy our lives or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And Don't have to pay too much attention to like the true worship or the moral life or, you know, t- trying to be charitable towards our neighbor or whatever. It It, it became more... Uh, self-focused and that that's the danger because when we do that and we lose sight of who God is and his place in our life and we don't offer true worship we don't offer true friendship with God 
then we're on our own in a sense. We put ourselves on our own. We we turn away from God, and that's always a bad place to be. So, yeah, and I think when you look at the the nativity, kind of like what you're talking about, like it was not necessarily like pretty, you know. Right. right. Um, I, there's this little book right there on the bookshelf, the story of Christmas for for children, and it's a nativity <laughs> yeah. scene, and it seems like a great little. Like, it's like, I would stay there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, great. Like that, you know, like... A little straw, a little... The manger seems like a nice little place, yeah. you know? Um, but so, like, we do kind of romanticize it a little bit, which is, I guess, not necessarily, a, like, a terrible thing. No, all, no. At all time, especially, like, it is, a, like, Christmas is a cause for joy, you know? Mm-hmm. We should be celebrating it. And it um, but, like, when we think about the reality of what that was probably like, like... I mean, Joseph was probably embarrassed. Yeah. And Mary probably wasn't super happy about yeah. the entire yeah. thing. Or, yeah. uh, And, like, when you just, like, think about it from their perspective, like, that was probably extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And... No showers in the stable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no one could probably help. Yeah, right. And so um, when you think about, like, what they went through and, you know, what... Uh, and then, and then you look at like Jesus too, like what he went through in his life. That wasn't easy either. Right. And uh, and yeah, so like I think that's there's just like such a good kind of model for us. Um, it's kind of like a reality check in some way. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of say, what does it actually mean for Jesus to be God and, and come in this way? And then what does it mean for us to follow? him or to do we really know jesus do we really know what he did for us do we understand that and um when we dress it up and it looks nice and easy whatever it kind of takes away from the um the sacrifices that he lived through and that the holy family lived through and it kind of makes it seem a little bit more trite maybe like oh that was nice of you to do that jesus but you know we're doing pretty good here. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Yeah. It's 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 definitely good for us to just check in about it and kind of say what what has God done for us? How has he condescended to us in a good way? I mean, in in a, in a way, in the sense of he didn't have to come this way. He didn't have to be so vulnerable, but he loved us so much that he wanted us to understand him in such a intimate way that he was willing to do that and he did do that so yeah it's it is interesting to see when you reflect okay god didn't have to do it this way but he did why yeah yeah and i think even like use you know if we are able to dive into it a little more like use it for a cause of like thanksgiving yeah truly because that's 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 truly what I mean. Christmas is right. It's kind of a um, like being joyful and thanking the Lord for like what He has done for us. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's good to keep that in mind because so often we can easily slip into the Christmas as a little extra vacation time. It's a little um, we get our some of our favorite foods. It's time for gifts and Santa Claus and. Those are all good things, but why are we doing all those things? You know, it's to celebrate and to give thanks to God for coming to us in this way. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's like a a very like um, realistic like painter or art style or anything, but it'd be kind of funny to get like to see like a very like realist like like a very like realism focused yeah what is it like painting it? of the nat- nativity yeah that would be interesting <laughs> or even to to have been there and to see what it was actually like what would it have looked like in Palestine I mean this time of year there. It's not like cold like it is here, but it's not warm, you know. So being out in a barn, uh, whatever kind of barn it was, it was if it was a cave or it was a barn, probably not super, you know, exciting, you know. But they did it, and that's where Jesus was born. And what was it like when the shepherds went? And we don't know exactly how long it was when the wise men got there. It might have been even a number of years, but. Um, we, when we read the narr- the infancy narratives, we kind of read it all in one go, so we don't always think about like. When you read it, you're like, oh, actually, it doesn't say that there was a donkey. Maybe Mary and Joseph both walked. She walked nine months pregnant. I, I mean, you don't. It's interesting all the things that we sort of read into the text that aren't actually there. So. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is interesting, and I think something that would could be really good, uh, for us to do during this season is take some time and do some like Lexio Divina with, yeah. um, with the kind of, uh, nativity, uh, story in scripture yeah. and taking time and just, you know, there's a bunch of, I guess, different forms of prayer. And I know we've talked about them a little bit. Um, but you know, being able to take some time and I, I really like, you know, placing yourself within the nativity and actually like going sure. through that. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's a very like, kind of immersive experience. Sure, like the Ignatian sort of putting yourself in the scene mm-hmm. and looking around and seeing what, what is it like. Yeah, yeah. so I mean there's the nativity scene in Matthew and then in Luke. So you have two options. There's not one in John and there's not one in Mark. So, um, But you can explore that a little bit, visit those things. Um, when we read it at Mass, when we read the parts of the nativity and mass we don't always get a sense of like how it's all organized in the in the scriptures but um so it's good for us even to go get our bible and look through and see okay this part is here and then that part so when you do there's actually four masses for christmas you i think there's four so you have vigil mass during the night i think mass at dawn and then mass during the day so there's actually four sets of readings we're only using two this year i think we're doing the mass during the night and the master in the day, I believe, is a tool we're using. So interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's a collection of readings to kind of try to get capture the Christmas story and spirit and everything. But um, yeah, you won't hear every part of it all at every mass. So they kind of focus on a little different thing on each one. So. All right. Well, closing question: uh, What's your favorite, maybe Christmas? Him. Hmm. Christmas hymn. Did we talk about Advent hymns last time? I don't think we did. Because I have one that's sort of Christmassy, sort of Advent. Okay. I like low air, how the rose air blooming. I didn't say quite right, but low how the rose air blooming. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's probably at least one of my favorites, um, if not the favorite. Okay. 
I don't I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, there's there's definitely something to the like um Wait, I'm I'm trying to think what it's called. Uh, I don't know. Can you sing it for a little bit of it? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably could, but I'm but I'm not going to. Not not going to on, on, on the show. Um, but I I guess I have maybe a couple songs that I really like, but are they like traditional ones? Like gr- growing up, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, oh come all you faithful, kind of like mm-hmm. at the end of mass. Yeah. Um, like jo- that. Joy to the world always seems to joy to the world, get yeah. people excited at yeah. the end of mass if you play that one. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's kind of a tradition where I've grown up that the the Christmas Eve mass. This one family has kind of done it forever. Oh. Like they, um, like I don't. I think a lot of the people don't even like live in Brainerd anymore, but sure. except for like the grandparents and maybe a couple other families, oh. but. Is this the um uh, I I I don't I can't remember what, what their last name is. Yeah. But there's like twenty people. Lassards? I don't know. I don't uh, know. Anyway, anyway. I don't know. But 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 so it's yeah, there's always just some cool like um so yeah, I feel like that always kinda like gets you into the into the spirit. Into the Christmas mood. Yeah, sure. So So cool. great. Well, thank you, Father, and uh thank you everyone for listening. We hope you have uh a great a great uh, very Merry Christmas. And uh, we um, we will I have an episode next week. I think we talked about that. So we'll uh, we will catch you all next week. Yeah. Merry Christmas.